Welcome to series 2 of the Celtic Whiskey Pod. In our first episode back, I am fortunate enough to be talking to John Campbell, who up until last year was head distiller at the Frog Distillery. However, in November he was appointed as production director and head blender at the relatively young distillery of Loch Lee in the Scottish Lowlands. I was eager to talk to John as we have recently been fortunate to have the first release from Loch Lee in the Celtic Whiskey Shop. And it just happens to be one of the fastest selling products we have ever had with the full allocation selling out in a few hours. John has an interesting story to tell about his journey in whiskey, which was initially sparked by the need to impress his bank manager, but I'll let him do the talking on that note. His 16 years as distillery manager at Laphroaig oversaw some of the most interesting events and bottlings in the distillery's lifespan, and he brings a great deal of experience and knowledge to the team at Loch Lee. Located in the rolling, fertile landscape of Ayrshire, the farm where Loch Lee Distillery is situated was once the workplace of poet Robert Burns, a man who needed no persuasion to partake in a dram or two of whisky himself. He was once an excise man in Dumfries, a role that, despite the high wages, he never really relished, yet he managed to stay in the role until his death in 1796. It is fitting then that the farm on whose land he once worked is now a distillery and a well-run one at that. Before we start, I would like to ask just a quick favour of you. If you enjoy this episode or any other episodes of the Celtic Whiskey Pod, then please post a link on your social media or spread the word next time you share a whiskey with someone. It takes a lot of work and editing to put these episodes together and we'd like to keep the service free, so the more listeners we have, the better. That's it from me for now. I hope you enjoy listening to John Campbell. I'll be back with more at the end. Slancha. You're listening to the Celtic Whiskey Pod, the home of unchill filtered conversation. A very warm welcome to the Celtic Whiskey Pod to John Campbell from Loch Lee Distillery. Thanks for joining us today, John. No, good, good to be here. Uh, interested to see what we're going to have a wee chat about as well. Yeah, yeah. What's the weather like in Ayrshire today? It's okay, actually. It's just, no, it's, it's February in Scotland. So it's just <laughs> like, it's. It's getting a wee bit lighter. It's getting it's, it was kind of snowy um, this morning, but it's still it's okay. It's nice and cold. It's good whiskey making weather. Yeah, yeah, lots of water around anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, usually, when I when I talk to guests, and uh, this is one one thing I'm, I'm very interested in hearing about is um, just asking uh, people how they got into whiskey and making whiskey, or you know, working in the whiskey world. And I, I gather your story is quite interesting um, because you you started off working as a lobster fisherman, isn't that correct? That's correct. Yep, <laughs> yep. And uh, just having a high old time as well. So it was all good. Um, but I really wanted to get a house, um, so I went to the bank manager, and I was earning a lot of money for somebody my age. Um, and he says, no, you're not getting, you're not getting a mortgage, you're self-employed. It's like, well, like, I can show you my last three years' wages, whatever. He went, no. He says, Go, like, you need to get a secure wage. And then I just thought about it. Um, then just thought, well, I'm probably going to have to work in a distillery then. So um, tried. I, yeah, I, I, I like to think I was uh, in where I chose. So eventually kept knocking on the door at Lafroig enough and they let me in um, and then took a pay cut a half and got a mortgage so <laughs> it didn't make sense to me in my 20s it still doesn't make sense to me now in my 50s but that's the way it was they wanted to the man, bank manager wanted to see me getting a steady income get me a mortgage oh wow yeah so um 
was it fairly easy to get a job there? Were they kind of like um, easy to to approach? And no, yeah, it's easy to approach. Yep, absolutely. But just there isn't that many new. Well, there wasn't in the nineties. There wasn't that many new jobs. It was just basically dead men's shoes. You felt so. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. So yeah, it was just like people who retired or people who left, which yeah. nobody leaves Lefroig. So generally, so it's just like well, that's that you just had to wait until the opportunity came. So um, mm. yeah, no, it's, it's, so I was patient, but got where I got kind of got in where I wanted to get to and got my mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> got the mortgage, the main thing. Yeah, and um. I mean, a lot of people these days go to college and, you know, do degrees in distilling and things like that. But I, I gather you would have pretty much learned on the job from old masters and, you know, people who'd been um, in the distillery for, for decades even, you know. Yeah, no, I, I was I was going to college and uni, but uh, just kind of personal circumstances dictated that that didn't happen. So just kind of had to get, get on with it. Um, mm. But equally, yeah, just did quite a lot of technical uh, training as part of the role, and especially as you progress through the roles at Lefroig. So basically, I was starting off putting the numbers on the barrels at Lefroig, and then people kept trusting me, people kept training me, and before you know it, you're running the place. So. Yeah. <laughs> and and how did that come about? Because I, I gather you, your predecessor was only there for a couple of years. Is that right? I, I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, Robin. So, yeah. yeah no, and it's, it's, yeah, island life is just something, especially at this time of year. Like, I was phoning mm. my dad at the weekend on Isla, and he was saying, <laughs> oh, there's a powered car. There's a st- another storm coming through. It's just like so I'm going to power cut for some six or eight hours yesterday. So it's just like yeah, uh, it's just you just it's, it's different. And yeah. you, it's very isolated and that little strip of water can be a huge barrier at times. Yeah, I think anyone who's visited Isla will will sort of recognize that and know how how difficult it's a place it is to get to if you want to go by road and ferry, you know. Um the, the plane is is a luxury, but uh, it's not yeah. something you could take, uh, you know, if you're commuting or anything like that, I would say, you know, unless you're in a real sort of job, top job with a good bit of money. Um, <laughs> it's an expensive plane ride. Yeah. Um, so you're you're an Isla man, um, yeah. but now you're an Ayrshire. And yes. um, there's an interesting team of, of people there at Lockley. So what was your initial... Uh, impetus to to move there uh, was it family reasons or just wanting to move to mainland Scotland or a bit of everything yeah so definitely family implications um, and just like I guess like <laughs> lockdown changed a lot in all of us and I guess yeah. it, gave, it gave us probably a chance to reflect on like what you're doing, how you're doing it, where you're doing it, all of that sort of stuff. So like there was, a, there was just a combination of things that came together for me to think, well, in the second half of my working life, because yeah, I plan to keep working until I'm at least 70. So mm-hmm. it's just like you need to maybe try something different and you've got 
got that opportunity, I guess. So, and it just everything happened to like with the thinking, and then just coming to Lockley, and it just fits. Um, it really fits with my values and, and mm. as a human being as well. So, like, just the whole, I guess, fact that it's it's all on the farm. It's we like the the furthest the barley's grown is two miles away on the farm, and it all it's all just like it's so self-contained. Mm. It's all kind of it's very kind of environmentally sound. Um, a lot of the kind of values with the owner were the same, and the kind of Direction of travel that uh, Neil wanted the business to go in, so it was just it was just a match, and it was because it's like leaving Lafroy something you don't do lightly as yeah. well. So yeah. like it had to be for me, it had to be a, a both a, a really interesting project and a match of values, I guess. Mm. And that's kind of that's where lockdown led me to. You just need to get these two things. I mean, yeah. there would be nothing wrong with staying at Lafroy. <laughs> and doing that job for the right. But it's just like this just happened to come up and it just piqued my interest. So Yeah. And were some of the team uh previously on Isla as well? Um or were they from other places? Yeah, no, they're from all over. Um so the like the ex distillery manager used to be from Isla as well. Um, right. Malcolm. Um yeah. and then Oh, Darren, it's a small team <laughs> compared to what I'm used to as well. Oh, so, like, there, there, there's, there's a whole, there's, there's three of us, four of us in production. Right? So, it's just, uh, it's a small team. So, Darren um, is basically the kind of site manager, site supervisor, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he's from down in Dumfries. All right. Um, George is from Fennec, which is yeah. just like a stone's throw away, and James is from Kilmarnock. And then yeah. I'm, I'm the outsider, I'm, I'm, from, <laughs> I'm the Duke from the islands. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm from Dumfries myself originally, so yeah, you're mentioning all those places, and I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, I know where that is, I know where that is. So yeah, yep. it's yep. very so, interesting. The setup of the distillery, you know, you mentioned some of the, the sort of core values and uh, the local barley. Um, but maybe you could go into a bit more detail about um, it's it's locally owned as well as it is. It's pretty much a private ownership. Yeah, no, it's family it. owned. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Neil and Jen um, are the owners of the distillery, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just on the farm. And kind of Neil had decided in twenty fourteen that. Maybe cattle farming wasn't the thing it was cracked up to be. There was a lot of hours <laughs> and not much profit at the end of the year. So he decided like, to have a look around. And um, I guess kind of one of the inspirations definitely would have been the Robert Burns angle, just because yeah. he, he farmed at Lochley back in the 245 years ago. So it's, if you've ever been in Ayrshire, you can't. Not go anywhere without seeing Robert <laughs> Burns. So it's just it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a huge part of I guess Scotland's culture, and um, it's a huge it's it's even bigger in the area. It's massive. So mm. um, and I guess for me, I'd known the area like all through my younger life as well because I had an auntie that stayed like again just like from Lochley is about six miles away. So she stayed in Mochla, just outside Mochla. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Another Robert so, Burns town as well. Yeah, that's... Spent kind of, some time yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So 
yeah so like they kind of just used that inspiration and kind of like has kind of I guess well he he liked that kind of he talked about whiskey a lot and he was a customs officer and he kind of near the end of his kind of life as well so like all of these influences and Neil thought well I'm maybe grow my own barley and make my own whiskey and mm. so that did a trial that year and then that led, led to a successful trial that ended up with basically building a distillery in 2018 yeah. and production started here in September 2018 yeah so and um, am I correct in saying that all the barley is from from Lockley Farm or did they, yeah. they buy in a little bit from elsewhere no, it's all from the kind of that's yep, it's on the farm. It's all basically farm grown here. And do, do you have your own maltings there then? Not yet. Right. That's that's a <laughs> that project is. probably for the future. Yeah. yeah. So like it definitely and I have that experience being at Lefroy as well. So. Yeah, because some of the Lefroy's malting is done on site, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, about twenty percent of the full maltings. So the distillery itself. There's some quite sort of green uh, sort of credentials as well. Is it what's it sort of uh, energy set up and, and whatnot? Yeah, no, it's like yeah, as um, we are kind of improving things as we go along as well. Like we've got rig beds, etc., for the kind of management of the waste products. Um, oh, great, yeah. But yeah, no, we are. We've got kind of um, solar powered energy. We're kind of using kind of looking at using hydros as well. So. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few bits and pieces. It's an area that's developing as well as we're kind of going along and just, again, just trying to limit that impact we have on our environment as well. Mm. And uh, in terms of size and the stills, is it, um, it's pretty small, isn't it? Well, kind of, sort of this sort of renaissance of distilleries, I suppose you would call it a a small to medium sized distillery, would that be correct? Yeah, no, that's correct. That's correct. Um, so basically, we have one uh, two ton mash ton. Right. Yeah. We have six fermenters, oh, and they hold 10,000 litres in each one. The wash distillation is 10,000 litres, and spirit distillation is it's kind of six and a half, seven thousand litres. So All right. So quite big stills, but um, small. Yeah. We work. 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Nice. So <laughs> like one mash a day, one still a day, yeah. and it just be processed all through. And that'll get us producing um, just over 4,000 litres of alcohol a week. That's a nice setup for the staff, I imagine, as well. It might be used yeah. to working 24 yeah, 7. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah, it's a different. Completely different energy to Lefroy where you are. You start in January and you finish in July. Mm. We start at eight, we finish at four, and we've got every weekend off. So right now, right now, <laughs> we'll grow into this as well as things go on. Um, yeah. Especially with the way the inaugural has been received, it's been it's been unbelievable. The, the welcome we've had and the excitement created around the brand with the first release. So. Mm. Well, we. We were a bit late getting it, which I think is down to the, the sort of circumstances we live in at the moment with yeah. Brexit and everything. So it was officially released on Burns Day, the 25th That's um, yeah. of January. And I gather it's sold out pretty much everywhere in the UK and elsewhere. Um, yes. For us ourselves, it was one of the fastest selling 
new releases we've ever had. And to say that about a Scottish whiskey in Ireland is is pretty amazing. Um, so congratulations to you all on on that. You know, we don't have any left. So, um, <laughs> um, but we we could talk a bit about the whiskey anyway because people will be interested to know about the character of it yeah. and the the taste of that first release and what the you know the the actual character of the spirit is and um where it fits in i suppose in in scottish sort of styles because um people get into their heads that lowland whiskies are really soft and light and you know isla whiskies are peaty and powerful um but yeah how would you describe the whiskey itself you know it's it's um it's very fruity it's quite a packs kind of different types of fruit as well um coming through so like that's definitely a main kind of flavor profile there are nice kind of aromatics and floral notes as well it's 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 definitely it's subtler um <laughs> we are building kind of character within that as well there's different types of casks it's been matured in so that we yeah. can um understand and take the, the i guess the journey with folks as well because it, there's no doubt it will develop and um, progress as time goes on um, we know what we want to do but ultimately the public will decide <laughs> i guess and, and, and in a way, we kind of what we'll become and kind of um, so, but yeah, no, it needs to be packed full of fruit, um, kind of kind of nice floral notes coming through as well. We're just building depth. There's obviously going to be seal, and we'll try and accentuate that because well, that's mm. one of the, the key kind of unique selling points about Lockley is the fact that the all of the cereal is grown and uh, managed to say within two miles is Ayrshire barley, so there could yeah. be. Different implications for that. It's something we we probably don't fully understand yet. And the difference in Ayrshire barley versus East Coast of Scotland versus Southeast England barley, etc. But yeah. we, we feel that it will be different, and we'll try and magnify that within the spirit, creating, I guess, the best kind of liquid that it should be quite approachable or locally and it, it will be subtler but we are building depth in this bit is I guess the way to say it just take lots of little layers of subtle flavors that we hope to go mm. through um I have I had a very interesting conversation last year with Mark Rainier from from Waterford Distillery and yeah. he's you know his whole being his bonnet is um terroir and the effect yeah. of of terroir on on barley and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Buckley does develop, you know, and um, whether there's a sense of of location to it and um, whether other distilleries go along the same route, you know, because I'd say a lot, of, a lot of places would have the opportunity to use more yeah. local uh, barley. And, you know, obviously it's been done on Isla to some degree at Brooklady before, but um, yeah, being, and Kilhoman is obviously as well. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if other people follow suit and uh, contract local farmers and uh, use them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, hey, let's not big enough for all the distilleries it's coming. No, not at all. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. But Kilhoman do, do a peak week, I think. Yeah. Do a, a, a very small percentage of 
and all it, all it takes is one bad harvest and you have to that's abandon. <laughs> that's so, the thing, and that's the risk, I guess. Like, yeah. all, all being done within, say, two miles, and that's that's a definite uh, discussion we have had about mm. how we manage that risk if there is just a horrible summit. Yeah. And that can happen in Scotland, believe it or not. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they can get some awful yeah, weather any time of the year. So, yeah. yeah. No, um, so it is, it's, it is a worry, but mm. it's equally a. a it just has to be like it's it's kind of like anything. You have to be who you are, and yeah. you have to understand who you are. And it's kind of like that's the development of anything, any new brand, any whiskey. You just have to be comfy in your own shoes and understand. It's it's like life, isn't it? As well, yeah. it's just kind of growing up, you start to understand yourself better. Try hopefully knock off some of the rough edges, and then just get a wee bit more comfy in your shoes. So that's that's the stage lock, Lisa. It's just kind of getting settled that we we know what we want to become and we just need to get there yeah um so let's talk a bit about some of the, the casks you have the, the the first release was bourbon and px casks and yep. i mean that that's quite a, a sort of common mix uh for for a young whiskey i suppose um to have a bit of px in there which tends to uh round off any sort of edges uh, yeah in a way um, but what else do you have? Um, I gather there's some um, shaved and toasted uh, wine casts, is that right? And a few other things? Yeah, no. Um, it's for, for folks that kind of know, I guess, theories or distillation theories. So it's it's a, it's the Jim Swan design, basically. Right. Oh, okay. He was uh, consulted back in 2014, 2015. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a it's a proven way, I guess. Like like if you look at Jim Swan distilleries, they they are done very very well. So we've got that amazing base to work off. Um, so there are STRs uh, maturing away. There's nice sherry uh, butts maturing away as well. First of all, bourbons play a big part of it as well. Mm. There are lots of experiments going on as well with different like rum, wine casks all sorts of things port casks so there's all different small kind of batches of experiments um, mm. coming through one of the things you will see coming from Lockley this year as well is showing a range of these different styles of casks so great i think with the exception of one i haven't mentioned yet that we've you'll pretty much see all of them this year as well okay. through different things so we've got farm releases coming as well so the spring release will be a first of all bourbon and the summer release which um, I can't remember the farm names this is so bad um, but it's sowing it's um, harvest is the autumn is it ploughing is the winter and oh it's seeding or something like that in the summer. I can't remember. It's like it's, but it's linked to the farm as well. Mm-hmm. But you'll see kind of first of all bourbon and uh, the first release, and then more kind of STR and uh, port in the second one. Uh, all of those sherry in the third, and then mm-hmm. as surprise that links to my past in the winter. Ah, right. okay. <laughs> now they just happen to have. Lefroy yeah. bottles, Lefroy maturing away with some spirit in it. So it's just it's a it's a it's a funny coincidence. 
there you go yeah um so there uh the, going by what you've just described i i assume that there's a a sort of philosophy of making those cast releases reflect the characteristics of the the seasons would that be correct yes yeah no that's true um so like we're just um and equally it gives us a chance to showcase different um casks with Leanne just so that we can uh, try to just I guess show we, we want to show folks what Lockley can be and just with different types of kind of smaller kind of experiments for and there'll be kind of limited bottles again but just showcasing um, how Lockley can be with different casks. Yeah and in terms of numbers <laughs> do you know what sort of uh, how many bottles would be in each release? I assume it's going to be pretty small batches, you know. Well, we, yeah, we had planned that, but after the first release, we're now scrambling a wee bit and trying to get mm. some more volume through yeah. as well. So it's just, as as you can imagine, we're built in 2018. We want the liquid to be right. We want mm. everything to be um, um, just like we wanted to represent locally. So we, we want to put as much out there as possible, but it has to be the right quality as well. Yeah, we've, we've got that balance just now where we do have a lot. Like, and I suppose you, you always have to be looking at the future as well and hoping you're going to have actually some yeah. reserves of mature stock for the future. Well, that's, that's the plan as well, yeah. So we do have stock that's allocated for other whiskies in the future as well. So we, mm. and we're, we're trying to protect everything. and Because it's, it's you know, you've got to keep your eye on the long game as well. Yeah. And, whiskey so like we want to try and uh, show people who we are now and like help like build up that relationship and take people I guess on the locally journey where equally we have to keep an eye on the future and make sure that um, some of these things I've talked about just already that like we we know can who we want to be and we want to be able to show it to people so that's mm. that's that part of it I guess. And in, in terms of sort of peating levels and things like that, would you ever sort of want to do a, a, a sort of highly peated version? No, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. I think it's just a nice coincidence about the Lockley using Lefroy casks. Mm. I think that's just like, it's, that's, that's just, so, but it's never produced a peated spirit. I mean, you never say never. Yeah. Never say never. But like, I, I think I'd like, I'm not sure that's what uh, Lockley is. Yeah, I've I've never heard of anybody saying that like Lockley should be peated, but like you never know. Yeah, I guess the reaction to the winter release. Yeah, and then you know you've got that connection with the the fields and the barley, and once you start putting peat smoke in there, you're gonna sort of swamp out some of those flavors, I suppose. So if you want to prefer, preserve that fruitiness and and have the sort of flavors of the grain. You're probably best yeah. avoiding it. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. But as I said, like everywhere, we'll listen to the what the public think too as well. Mm. Because that, yeah. I, I believe that's important. And I believe that's definitely something that is to our advantage, I guess, being a small distillery as well. We can mm. adapt and we should be pretty flexible in yeah. how we can approach things and try and stay open. Mm. So um back to the the Robert Burns. Uh, connection. So his um, father owned a farm. Is that correct? Oh, I don't. I didn't know that. I, like, he definitely worked here, and he worked. Oh, did he work scale, there? Yeah. And I worked at uh, 
So Adam had Adam Adam had some like these three farms around yeah. Auckland. Yeah. So yeah. And then he kind of moved around the area, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's no, interesting yes. to to have somewhere where he he has a connection to, and you know he spent some of his of his life there. He wasn't a very good farmer, from what I heard. <laughs> he was busy with other pastimes. Yeah, chasing yes. women and drinking, and uh, yeah, his yeah. Poetry. And then, uh, well, I think this is uh, I think this is where he released his first book that became a huge success. Come wow. on, so it's just like yeah, waves up. So. Yeah. yeah, he crammed a lot in to a very short space of time. He certainly did. It was, it and, uh, unbelievable. I mean, it, it's a great uh, connection to have in terms of tourism as well. And I know at the moment, like tourism isn't really a thing anywhere, but um, will it be um, a visitor centre and the opportunity for people to come and have a look around eventually? Probably eventually, just not yet. Yeah. Um, it's just again, just been a small distillery we we have to manage. You know, we can't do everything we want to do all at once. Um, yeah. So we're just build, we're going to build things slowly and steadily and kind of surely. But like one day, it would be great to be able to offer a tour to the public again, yeah, have a shop, and just. But yeah, it's 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 not the biggest site in the, the world, mm-hmm. so we, we can't. We're mm-hmm. not ready for anything like that yet. No parking for mega buses and things like that at the moment. No, no, no. We can't even like we're we're needing to. We're, we're getting um, more and more staff as well. So like um, we're needing to we need to even increase the car park for the staff. So <laughs> part beside barrels today. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think there, there's a sort of changing perception amongst drinkers of of uh, lowland whiskies? Or uh, is it sort of the time for low-end whiskies right now, uh, you know, you guys, you sold your first release straight away. So obviously people either um, don't really think about it being a low-end whiskey or they've sort of changed their perception a little bit because it was always, you know, some of the ones that struggled in Scotland were the low-end ones, certainly in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, What's what's your experience been? Have people sort of um, raised eyebrows that you know you're moving to a lowland distillery? Has it been an issue or no, no? And it's it, it's I guess it is important, but it's like it's just I think people are curious now as well in lots of different things. I know I am as a whiskey drinker that like I like. Good whiskey is just good whiskey. It doesn't matter where yeah. it comes from. So, like, I'm definitely that type of person. Um, mm. And we just need to make good whiskey. And then, yes, we are in the lowlands. That's just a fact. That's a geographical fact. But, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Can I guess why um, lowlands got that perception? But there's a there's a lot of kind of interesting distilleries and new distilleries certainly kind of coming onto the map now and very shortly and I I suppose some of the more innovative distilleries in Scotland are in in the Lowlands um, because they have the opportunity to to try something new maybe they're not in a you know in Speyside and Highlands it might be a perception that you have to keep things very traditional no, and that's true. That's true. I haven't thought about it like that. But that is, when you're saying it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, you want, like, you definitely, Speyside and Isla and Highland probably have more, you know, 
generic regional uh, kind of tones, whereas yeah. Lowland is changing that, I suppose, into kind of it's quite it's new, it's kind of slightly different kind of quest gear. You can have them in the middle of cities, you can have them kind of out in the countryside, kind of like we are, and there's lots of different, there's no rights or no wrongs. So yeah. Good whiskey is good whiskey, I think. And I think that's what people are, everyone likes to be curious and to understand and to kind of see, I guess, like what everyone's up to and how yeah. it feels, how it tastes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good to see. And yeah, I think um, from my perspective, consumers don't really care these days. But as long as the distillery has a good story or a good philosophy or, you know, are making interesting whiskies, then it doesn't really matter where they're from. And certainly in Ireland, you see that as well. Um, yeah. Do you get to drink much Irish whiskey? A bit, a bit. Um, not, I haven't, I'm done it properly for like a couple of years, but like we used to have, like back in when I was at Troy, we had an Irish distillery. So yeah, yeah we used to uh, get over there and have a wee rummage about every now and again. So, yeah, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, so we've been to Cooley and Kilbegan. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yep. No. Kilbegan's a fantastic uh, place, isn't it? It's really fascinating. Yep. Um, it's like stepping no, it back has... 200 years in time. Yep. No, it sure has a cracking spot to just... Um... Ah, and they, they were doing some really interesting things as well that will be coming through. Very yeah. Well, I think good. I think people here are, are kind of waiting to to see what they're doing, like a bit like Bushmills did recently, where Bushmills seemed to be a sleeper um, distillery for yeah. about a decade, and then all of a sudden we got all these amazing uh, releases. I think people are thinking about the same uh, with Cooley and Kilbegan that they they seem to be holding back on on what they've got, but there must be some interesting stuff coming up soon. So yeah. Yeah, um, and they're supplying a lot of the industry as well. So it's like, it's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of flavors there. And even with, uh, yep. Mm. Yeah, there's just so many different flavors coming out of that. Like the, with the peated, the kind of heavy peated, the other, like medium peated, like the Turconnell, everything. So it's, there's just lots of different brands coming out of Cooley and Kilbegan. Yeah. yeah. Um, about uh, sort of whiskey, and I've spoken to a few Irish um distillers about this and you know um the the change of customers and drinkers and their perception of age uh, with whiskey do you think there are some positive sort of things to be said about the young whiskies um being released you know that people will sort of slightly change their drinking habits and you know um for decades the scottish whiskey industry was all about age you know because it had age stock and they had all this old whiskey they wanted to sell, but and now in Scotland it's it's changed completely. So um, I I don't know exactly what I'm trying to ask, but what, what do you think? Do you think people's habits are changing slightly? Yes, and it's it was I, I think there's a, there's lots of reasons. Yes, Scotch whiskey has marketed itself that way that age it means quality, um, and so that's the perception that everyone has. Um, I think there was also a time where needed age to get quality because some of the casks that were getting used were maybe not at the same standard as they are now and i think the industry itself has upped its game it's 
it's got really competitive and it's it's stepped up, I think, Scotch whiskey over the last 20 years, um, where like nothing's left to chance now. So mm. there is quality parameters through every distillery and every process and including weeding. So like I think with that, um age is less of a necessity to guarantee quality. Mm. I mean it's 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 a different feeling on aged spirits. So like if you like aged spirits, you like aged spirits. It's one of the things definitely that an aged spirit can do is it can break the the characters of the spirit down for you. So it's much easier to see the depth of flavor in an older whiskey. Mm. Because you can just get wave after wave after wave. You also get the compositions changing and the kind of chemical reactions and oxidization create new flavors as it ages as well. So there's definitely benefits of aging um, and it definitely it can improve a whiskey or it, it, if that's what suits you. Um, uh, equally, I think the opposite side of that is you don't need age now to keep the guarantee quality. Yeah. If you've upped the game all over and you mentioned Jim Swan. He he's one of the guys who who did manage to find that se- secret. I suppose. <laughs> well, it's not a secret anymore. But he he managed to find a um, specific cast types and cast preparation techniques. You know, to to make spirit more palatable at a younger age. Yeah, Think, no, thinking absolutely. about um, distilleries like Cavalan, you know, for one, which their whiskey four or five years old was fantastic, absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned them already, Coleman and Isla is a Jim yeah. Swan as well. So like, there's lots of amazing distilleries that use the kind of Jim Swan philosophy. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, it's different. We're all different. I guess there's no rights or no wrongs. Like, when, I guess, like at Lefroy, my favourite age was eight-year-old. Yeah. Hence why all the cartridges over the last period had an eight-year-old <laughs> base. So I just loved that base because you just got the power of Lefroy coming mm. through and the cask wasn't kind of winning. Um, yeah. It's always a balance. You always have to have, like, so when we're doing casks here at Lockley, it has to have Lockley DNA. Cask mm. can't be winning and it has to be a managed thing, but you still get the Lockley DNA that we've kind of spoken about earlier coming through. So that, that's hugely important. If it's a Lockley, you still taste Lockley. You mentioned the, the Cardress um, bottlings from Laphroaig there. Um, was there any any particular bottling at Laphroaig that you were particularly fond or, or proud of? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you'd stand behind any of them, but was there the one that really kind of um, got your pulse racing, you know, that you were actually really astounded by? Uh, just the, the the most nostalgic one, I guess, and the one so that's kind of the way it is. Um, is was the twenty the bicentenary cartridges where we basically uh-huh. tried to make whiskey the way we did a hundred years ago. So mm. that was I did that just as we were talking earlier as well between Ian Henderson leaving and Robin Shield starting. I was the interim distillery manager, and I went to the managing director for the company and just like I've got this crazy idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we should we should just try like and make whiskey like we did a hundred years ago, um, and it'll do for the bicentenary. And he went, yeah, just go ahead and do it. And it was just like, oh, 
I wasn't expecting a yes. So it was just kind of like, <laughs> so we just did it. So we just used kind of 100% floor malted, really heavy peated, just through, it was balanced distillation. We created that Lafroig, which an unbalanced site normally, and then matured in kind of first fill bourbons in number one here, warehouse right down beside the sea. So like, and it ended up really, really, really good. So that was probably the most, the one I'm most nostalgic about because it just took so long to kind of arrange and get right and it was just a shot in the dark. Sounds fantastic. I, I actually have a bottle of that tucked away somewhere so I've, I've never actually opened it so maybe I'll have to do that soon. <laughs> um, one of the ones I've been sitting on for, waiting for the right opportunity to try so yeah and I look forward to tasting it. It's a different, different peatiness, a different smokiness coming yeah. through now as well and a different sweetness and you get the barley flavours as well so it, it, it mm. worked out really well. And it's so, a um, the future at Lockley is those seasonal releases and um, a so few true. other a few other sort of bits and pieces. Um, what are the, the long-term plans? Will there be an age statement um, somewhere along the, the way or is it too early to tell? No, we think there'll be an age statement. Yep. Yeah. Um, we definitely do. Um, there'll be a, a, a core release as well coming in the summer that'll have a bit more volume so we can mm. get out there and start to, again just explore kind of what folks are thinking um, to kind of shape the brand for the future. So um, I don't think it's got a name yet, so I can't, I can't tell you what it's called, but it will be a mix of kind of all of these things we've talked about, kind of yeah. first fill bourbons, the SDRs, and the sherry, first fill sherry. So it's going to be a kind of mix of all of these lovely, lovely flavours. Sounds great. Yeah, you know, well, well, that's the job. Over <laughs> the next couple of months to get that recipe honed in and ready um, for release in June, July, I think. So. Great stuff. Yeah. Well, we look forward to um, tasting them and trying them. Uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to grab one of the bottles before they flew off the shelf here. So um, next time I'm going to definitely get it. Um, we do actually have... Um, our bar in Killarney, which has a website called dramsdelivered.com. So um, you can still actually buy a little dram of Loch Lee from there and get it delivered. Um, so I might do a quick plug on uh, when I do an outro here. So, um, John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and uh, learning about Loch Lee and your, your time at Lefroig as well. So thanks so much for giving us your time today. And hopefully at some point we might get to visit the distillery we never know so yeah no thanks so much yeah, it's been good fun chatting about um whiskey it's always good to chat about whiskey <laughs> bit early in the day to be drinking but uh yeah i might try one later on so cheers and thanks for now cheers all the best bye you're listening to the celtic whiskey pod the home of unchill filtered conversation. A pleasure to talk to John Campbell and to hear about the philosophy behind Loch Lee Distillery. It sounds like there are some very interesting things to come with each of the next new releases offering something different and unique. Keep a lookout on all the Celtic Whiskey Shop social media for news on these bottlings as they are sure to sell out just as quickly as the first. As just mentioned by myself, you can still buy a sample of the first release Loch Lee on our website dramsdelivered.com. It's reasonably priced for a first release, so it might not last long. Don't forget that we also have lots of other amazing samples available on the site with many rarities and hard-to-find whiskies. Once again, please spread the word about the Celtic Whiskey Pod. We have more great episodes coming up shortly. Hit like and subscribe to us wherever you stream your episodes from. 
I'm off to dust off that old bottle of Lafroy carriages that we just talked about. Hopefully it's as good as John said it was. Cheers and slancha for now. Mm-hmm.